Hey, what's up? Thanks for listening to the Aaron J. Dodson podcast. This is the podcast where I discuss the sacred text of God's Word and subjects related and do my best to help myself and others understand it so that we might keep God's law and we might observe it with our whole hearts. Psalm 119, verse 34. In this episode of the Aaron J. Dodson podcast, I would like to discuss a very critical, fundamental, and important subject that revolves around the Word of God, knowing the Word of God, understanding the Word of God, and God's wisdom in giving the will of God. But I also want to bring into this one-sided discussion, if you will, the fact that there is tons of division and disunity among professing Christians, often called Christendom, in the religious world. And that's a that's a fact most everyone is very, very aware of that to the extent that many professing believers in God and Christ claim that they are not religious, but they're spiritual. This, I do believe, is because people are sick and tired of man-made religion. They think that it's God's religion that they're tired of, perhaps. Maybe they misunderstand the nature of God's Word. But they think they're tired of religion. And I can see why people would get tired of man-made religion. But since religion, the word, if you do an etymology study, it means connection with God, uh, one's devotion to God. The idea here is that, you know, people desire to be, generally speaking, connected to God or their God or a God or a higher power. Now, of course, when it comes to the Bible, you have the God of the Bible, the God of uh, heaven and earth, the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the God of Judaism, as it's called, and the God of Christianity, which, from my understanding of Scripture, the fulfillment of the Old Covenant is the New Covenant. The Old Testament was not... uh, abolished it was fulfilled it was a promise and covenant given to the israelites and god kept his promises and fulfilled them and fulfilled all of them with christ jesus of nazareth and the new covenant that he made uh, to which all people must pay attention god's law today is found in the pages of the New Testament. Now, I just set forth a lot of things that a lot of people in the religious world would not agree with, but they are very elementary and basic to a simple Bible study. And I acknowledge in this episode, I don't know what I'm going to call this thing, But there is a lot of disheartened people in the world who I think they want to believe in God. They have their own reasons in their mind why they think God either might exist or does exist. But they are disgusted with man-made religion. And one of the things that comes with man-made religion is all the different so-called interpretations of the Bible. Now, here's some things I want to share with you, some thoughts that I have, things that I think are needed for us to ponder and reason through. They're not complicated. They're foundational. They're basic. They're simple. But just taking Scripture you know, at face value for what it says, we learn 
from the books we call New Testament books. We understand that God knows everything about everything. Like he knows all things. Psalm 139, for example, teaches this principle and this truth very clearly. And there are other places in Scripture that teach the omniscience of God, His all-knowing nature. He knows everything about everything. If that's the case, and, and also God, that same God, has revealed His will. Now, that loses some people. But a study of the New Testament Scriptures, and also if you were to study the Old Testament Scriptures, God said He was speaking through the Old Testament prophets and the prophets that are recorded in what we call the New Testament books. Through these prophets, He was revealing Himself. He was revealing who he was, who he is, what he wanted of them then. And then, of course, in the New Testament books, for people of our time, what he wants of us today. God has a desired will, and he has revealed that will for mankind. And let me, let me comment on some of the things that are very clear about his will. He desires that all people seek him. Acts chapter 17, the Apostle Paul preaching on Mars Hill, the Areopagus in Athens, Greece, according to Acts 17 verse 22. He preached a sermon, and in that sermon, he said that God has made from one every nation of men and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord. So God's purpose from making all people from one man to dwell on the face of the earth and determining their pre-appointed times and boundaries of their dwellings, his purpose was to accommodate the unfolding plan of redemption so that mankind should seek him in the hope that they might reach or grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As also some of your own poets have said, for we also are his offspring. That's Acts 17 verses 26 through 28. And I just took a snippet of that sermon. But Paul preached that God's desire is that all should seek him. And then 1 Timothy, this is uh, chiseled out, if you will, even more. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 3 and 4. It's God's desire that all people be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So God wants us to have full knowledge. In order for us to have that full knowledge, he had to reveal that truth so that we could obtain it. And we have that in the scriptures an eyewitness of Jesus Christ said that God had given them, he and the apostles, all things that pertain to life and godliness. 2 Peter 1, verses 3 and following. And he did this according to John chapters 14 through 16 through the Holy Spirit to the apostles. John 16, 13, Jesus told the apostles in the upper room, he said the spirit of truth would come upon them and they would be guided into all truth. All truth, like every math truth, every geometry truth, every 
geological truth, every, no, all truth that pertains to life and godliness. Second Peter chapter one, verse three. Okay. So God desires that all mankind seek him. He has revealed that truth. An eyewitness of Jesus said they had the truth. Another eyewitness of Jesus, the Apostle Paul, wrote that all Scripture, all sacred writings from God, is breathed out by God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, so that the man, the person of God, might be complete for every good work, thoroughly equipped. The idea is the Word of God equips that person for everything they need, for life and godliness. So, with all those things said, and you notice how I have I have referenced multiple passages putting these thoughts together. Jesus taught Matthew 25, 31 through 46, and there are other passages that support this truth, that at the end of time, all will appear before Christ at the judgment. Those that are in Christ who have no condemnation, Romans 8, 1, will quote-unquote pass the test. They will, they will not be judged as a person who is not prepared. Okay. At the judgment, when we give account to God, because God wants mankind to seek Him, because He has revealed Himself, because He has given that revelation in Scripture, and because we have all things that pertain to life and godliness, we can't say, well, I couldn't understand it. The Bible was too complicated. We can't say, well, you know, there are so many different denominations. There are so many different beliefs. We can't say, well, there's so many people that disagree over what the Bible says and what the Bible means. So, I'm exempt, like it's not necessary for me in this life to seek to read and interpret God's Word correctly. And some would go even further and they would say that because there are so many varying opinions and so-called interpretations of Scripture that we, I nor someone else, can stand and boldly proclaim the clearly revealed truths in God's written word. But the scripture very clearly teaches otherwise. But let me back up just a moment. Is it true that there are a lot of different so-called interpretations of scripture? Absolutely. Only a, a, a baby or someone who's literally put their head in the sand and just suffocated themselves to death. <laughs> Everywhere you turn, there is a different religious group on every corner, as we say, saying that they are the church or a church or church. There are so many of these. We have a world full, saturated with unbelief. And to the person who is aware of what Jesus said in the upper room at the last meal, you are not surprised. Let me draw your attention, if you're not familiar, with John chapter 17. Jesus, in this very intimate setting with the apostles, prayed these simple yet straightforward and powerful words. This is just part of the prayer he prayed on that occasion. John 17, verse 20. Do not pray for these alone, these that Jesus was given by the Father, the apostles. Verse 19. Okay. The whole chapter, just read it. 
I don't pray for them alone, the apostles alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Through whose word? Through the apostles' word. What? Yeah, the apostles would be preaching and teaching the message of Jesus because he had given them his word, verse 8. And verse 14. Notice, I do not pray for these, the apostles, alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That, what's he praying? That they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. I'm here to, I'm here to tell you, if you've never thought of this or don't believe this already, I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to try to convince you based on these words of the great master teacher, Jesus, the Christ. The reason why most people in the world don't believe is because there's so much division. Because the unity that we're to have in Christ is to promote the greatest form of unity and uh, faith-drawing power, we might say. I'm not saying it's more powerful than God's Word, but I'm saying it's another great witness. That's what Jesus said. He says, I want you to believe the Word, and I, and I want you to follow that Word. He told them that. Be sanctified that, by that Word. And He wants all those that would believe in Him through the Apostles' Word to be one so that the world would believe that God sent him. And I believe wholeheartedly. That's why so many people do not believe that Jesus Christ is Messiah, that he is the son of the living God. And that's why so many people don't believe there is a God. And they certainly don't believe in the God of the Bible, the God that the Bible proclaims wrote it. Because so many who profess to be following the Bible and profess to be Christians have their own quote-unquote interpretations of the Bible. They are not one. They are not unified. But here's the big question that I want to draw. I can't change single-handedly. I can't single-handedly change the fact no one can force anybody to do anything. We know the apostles are charged to preach, and by principle we are taught to teach the Word of God as well. But my my point is, is it God's fault that there's so much religious division today? You you might be thinking, you may be a person who's listening and you're thinking, no way, Jose, how would you, why would you ever say that? It's just a mental exercise. And I say it's just, it is not just a mental exercise. It's a mental exercise for us to think, was that God's fault? For us to think through that and what kind of God we serve. And reflect back on the scripture that reveals that one true God to us. But I also ask the question because there are some who act that way. And some who might even say that way. They might even say that. That God has written a book that we just can't understand. We can't agree upon. Question, is it a matter that we can or can't? Or that we are not willing? We won't. You know, Jesus addressed some very hard-hearted people who were, who were bent on keeping their way, keeping their traditions, keeping what they believed and they felt in their heart. He addressed them. And these were people, by the way, who literally possessed the sacred text of God's Word. Okay? the religious leaders and the Jews, they, they literally had the scrolls of God's Word. <clears throat> Jesus said to them, John five thirty nine, You search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. But notice this, in the same breath, he says, But you are not willing to, to come to me that you may have life. 
He says, you possess the scriptures, you have the scriptures, you read the scriptures, you study the scriptures, you believe that in the scriptures you have eternal life, but it's the scriptures that testify of me. The problem is you're not willing to come to me. Now, God knows the intents of hearts. I'm not here to judge intentions. I'm here to teach the word of God and to live by the word of God. Is it God's fault that there are so many so-called interpretations, that there are so many divisions in the religious world that professes to be Christian? No, it's not God's fault. I, I, I put forth to you, I submit to you, the problem is people are not willing to come to God. They're not willing to let God's Word speak for itself. Instead, they go to the Word of God with motives. And it's easy to say they. The reality is we all come to the Word of God with, with preconceived beliefs. We all have a background. We all have feelings, thoughts, beliefs, things we've always been taught or things we've always heard. We may come with partial knowledge or understanding on a certain subject of Scripture. The, the, the important thing to ask in this regard is, are we willing to come to Christ? Are we willing to let the Word speak? In the long ago, the prophet Samuel, when he was being called by God, miraculously, to be a prophet, Eli, the priest, taught him, when he heard God speak to him audibly, he taught him to say, Speak, Lord, your servant hears. Now, I am not advocating that God is audibly speaking to us. I am convinced he does not speak to us audibly today based on what the Scriptures teach, that full revelation is in the written form, and there is no need for miracles. There's no need for more revelation. The Word of God has been confirmed, Mark 16, 20, 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 13. And so we go to the sacred text. The Word of God is the be-all, end-all, final standard, not a voice in someone's head. If you hear a voice in your head, that's your conscience. And if I hear a voice in my, con or my head, that's my conscience. Again, the question to ask, are we willing to come to Christ? Are we willing to let God's word speak? Are we, to, are, are we willing to have the attitude like Samuel said long ago? Speak, Lord, your servant hears, 1 Samuel 3, 10 and 11. And is it God's fault? Let's say, I am willing. I'm willing to do my best to put my baggage aside, my preconceived beliefs, Hey, if you feel that way, glory, hallelujah. I'd love to meet you, okay? These make up some of the best people on the earth, in my opinion. People that are sincerely wanting to know what God's Word says and willing to do what God's Word says, no matter what. Okay, if we're willing to allow God's Word to speak, are we willing to accept the truth that it's not God's fault that there are many so-called interpretations of Scripture. There have been people throughout all of biblical history who said and believed and taught things contrary to what God had revealed in the written Word or what He had revealed through a prophet who preached and taught orally. Jesus said things like, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothes, but inside, inwardly, they are ravenous wolves. Jesus said that. That's Matthew 7, 15. Beware of false prophets. And there are many other passages in the New Testament that warn the Christian, that warn people. They're false teachers. How is it that they are false? They are teaching things that are not true. They are, 
as 1 Timothy chapter 1 says, verse 7, they desire to be teachers of the law, but they don't understand what they're saying or the things that they affirm. And I realize that if I don't do my homework and do my due diligence, I could be guilty of that. This is not a, I'm the only person in the world that knows the truth and no one else does. No, this is just, this is just, this is what the Word of God says. We have to be alert and aware of these matters. So there are many so-called interpretations of the Bible, but every chapter, every verse only has one proper interpretation, one correct meaning. You say, wow, Aaron, that's saying a lot because there's a lot of people that see certain verses a little different, even in the churches of Christ. I, 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 I don't care what I think or what others may think or what may be. The Word of God says that there's one meaning to Scripture. You say, what is it? How can you know whatever, what verse means? How can you wholeheartedly say that you know, every verse only has one meaning because Scripture is revealing the character and nature of God and there are no contradictions because it's inerrant. It's been breathed out by God. 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17. You see, if I begin to accept the idea that there are many interpretations and that there could be more than one proper meaning or proper interpretation of any given verse, I am then opening the door for accepting false teaching. I am then accepting, I am then opening the door to the idea that it's God's fault that there's so much division. That it's God's fault that he couldn't write a book clear enough on how to be saved and how to live a godly life and how to worship correctly. Folks, I cannot in my right mind accept that premise or that conclusion because God desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And Paul, the apostle, eyewitness of Jesus, he wrote Ephesians 4, 4 through 6 which says that unequivocally there is one Lord. There's one Lord, one Master, Jesus. There's one faith, system of truth, Jude verse 3. There is one baptism. That's the one Christian baptism in water in the name of Christ for the forgiveness of sins, Acts 2.38. There are not many baptisms. There is but one. Somebody says, oh, but there's other baptisms in the Bible, recorded in the Bible. John the baptizer, Jesus baptized people, the baptism of suffering, the, the baptism of the dead, all these kinds of things. Okay, herein lies the key of what I'm saying. It requires careful study of God's word. Why would God emphatically and clearly say there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father, and incidentally, verse 4, one body, which according to Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, the same letter, not according to my opinion, nor not according to a commentary, not according to the traditions of people in the churches of Christ. According to Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, the body is the church. There is one church of Christ. There's one body of Christ, one that belongs to him. Yeah, but there's so many people and they believe these different things. And I hate that, but that's irrelevant to the truth that's been revealed in God's word. So there are many opinions, there are many doctrines, there are many so-called interpretations, right, that exist in the world, yes. But God says there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father, one body, one spirit. 
but yet there's different interpretations of what those ones are. Is that God's fault? That That's my question. I, I cannot entertain uh, for any length of time, any serious length of time, that that's God's fault. I mean, if God has the ability to speak the world into existence, if he has the ability to create humanity, if he has the ability to create the human brain, the human heart, he has the ability to create the mountains and the oceans, he has the ability to send his only begotten son, he has the ability then to reveal himself to mankind because he made us and he loves us and he wants to have a, a proper relationship with us. He wants us to walk with him. If, if that is the case, then I have to believe he has written his word, preserved it, and written it in a way that I can understand it. And don't quickly conclude, Aaron, are you saying then that you understand the proper meaning of every verse and every chapter? No, no, I'm not saying that. But I will say this very clearly because I have become convinced of this through my continued persistent effort to know God's will, studying his written word. If God wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, and there are many details that are listed, many different facts in Scripture, I I come to understand that when it it comes to, to being forgiven of sin and being justified and sanctified in the sight of God, when it comes to becoming a Christian, there are a lot of things that neither I nor others need to know immediately in order to become a Christian. But there are fundamental things that I need to know and that I need to do in order to become a Christian. And I only can learn those things by studying and making proper deductions from God's Word. Sound reasoning, the law of rationality, draw conclusions where the evidence leads. I want to be a person who is rational, and I don't allow my emotions to be in the driver's seat of my mind and my decisions, my lifestyle. I want to function rationally, and that means to draw only such conclusions as are warranted by the evidence of God's Word. To function irrationally is to draw conclusions for which a person does not have adequate evidence. You'd say, what? What's adequate evidence? What are you talking about? Study God's Word in its context. Spend most of your time in the study of God's Word and talking to people that are reverent toward God and His Word. And they're not just lifting verses out of context and proving things that are nowhere in Scripture. Through a study of God's Word, we can understand God's will. You see, it wasn't the problem of the Jews in the first century that came to Jesus and and were accusing him of things. It wasn't their problem that they couldn't understand. Jesus said, as I mentioned a moment ago, John 5 verse 40, you are not willing. So if a person is willing, (coughs) excuse me, and they will put forth the effort Think with me for a few more moments as I transition in this part of the podcast. I've got some more good stuff. Stay with me, please. Here's some principles that are taught in God's Word by which we need to live. Absolute truth exists in God's Word. Jesus said you can know the truth, and the truth will set you free from sin, verse 34. God expects mankind to use mental faculties and cognitive powers to understand truth. I know that. I can prove that unequivocally. John chapter 6, verse 44 and 45, No one can come to me, Jesus said, unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. And so many people stop right there and they say, See there? It takes a miraculous, mysterious, special calling from God. Jesus has to be uh, revealed to you by the Father drawing you. And 
No, let Jesus tell us how the Father draws. Verse 45, it is written in the prophets and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. You see that? We can learn. We must use our mental faculties and cognitive powers to understand the truth. It's very apparent God has written His Word in such a way where we have to use our mental faculties and our cognitive powers. And we're instructed in Scripture, and there are many references, good uh, examples of times, uh, people in times past, how we must reason correctly. Acts chapter 26, verse 25. And I, this is not, I'm not going to be able to exhaust all of these things, but I'm giving you some things you can look into further, and I hope that you'll meditate on very closely and very carefully. Acts chapter 26, verse 25. When Paul the Apostle stood before Festus, one of the, one of the rulers of that time in that area, it says, Luke records, Now as he thus made his defense, that's Paul, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. The idea of the word there is like mania, mania. You're insane, dude. Notice what Paul said. I am not mad, most noble Festus. I'm not a maniac. I'm not insane. But speak the words of truth and reason. Reason. I speak the words of truth and reason. Well, to understand words of truth, we must reason. Paul commanded Timothy, rightly divide the word of truth, Timothy. And the way you do that is by giving all diligence. Some modern translations render that. Make every effort. Put forth every effort to handle the word of God correctly. 2 Timothy 2, verse 15. The church at Thessalonica was commanded, prove or test, the idea is like examine, all things. 1 Thessalonians 5, 21. We have the example of the noble Bereans, Acts 17, 11. They searched the scriptures daily to see if the things that the apostle Paul were preaching to them were so. You see, it takes reason and correct reasoning. It takes effort. And this same concept was true in the Old Testament. Look at Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 9 on your own time. There are incorrect principles that one might use that would lead to the incorrect conclusions. And I'm not going to go into all of those. But just consider these passages on your own time. 2 Corinthians 4, 2. Acts 20, verse 30, Galatians 1, verse 7, 2 Timothy 3, 7 and 8, 1 John 4, 1, 2 Peter 3, 16. There were people in the first century who twisted the Scripture. Why? Well, they were using wrong principles. What kind of wrong principles? Well, wrong attitudes, bad attitudes. So many people come to the Word of God looking for something they already believe. I've been talking with religious leaders before, and I I sensed very early on they were committed to their denomination. They were committed to what they already believed. They were committed to interpreting the entire Bible based on their preconceived idea that if you do anything to obey God, that's a work, and that kind of work is excluded and sinful. Okay, we cannot be already decided about anything in Scripture. Instead, we need to use correct framework, like don't add to God's Word, don't take away, don't modify it. Respect what Scripture says and do it, and respect when Scriptures do not require something and don't require it. In other words... As you've heard me say, if you've listened to me for any time, speak where the Bible speaks and be silent where the Bible is silent. 
and that is based on the doctrine and the command of 1 Peter 4.11. Okay, well, I've said a lot of things. I've spent more time than I normally do in an audio podcast. But if God wants all people to be saved, come to the knowledge of the truth, and he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, and those things are in the scriptures that are breathed out by God that may make us profitable for every good work, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, then I can't, I can't say, well, there's some things in the scriptures that are more difficult to understand, and there's so many different interpretations on all these different verses, so I'm not going to go to church. I, I, I'm not going to study the Word of God every day to try to figure it out. I, I I don't think we can preach the whole truth or preach certain truths or preach things that I don't fully agree with because I hadn't studied but I hadn't studied it. But I don't think you can be dogmatic about certain things in the Bible. You know, by dogmatic, they mean preach with confidence certain truths. For, folks, if it's clearly revealed in the, in the Word of God, then I, as an evangelist, I am commanded, 2 Timothy 4, 2, to preach the Word to do it very clearly when it's popular and when it's not popular. Second Timothy four two. Some people just have this idea that like preaching is supposed to be this casual talk uh, where you're just it's like a little pep talk, folks. I don't think preaching is where you browbeat people. That's that's one extreme that's that's very clearly wrong. On the other hand, it requires reproving, rebuking, and exhorting. You say, what does that mean? Do a word study of each of those words. It means when people are right, based on God's word, tell them and show them they're right. When they're wrong, tell them show them from God's word how they're wrong and how to get right. And if they're already right, tell them how to stay right. Those truths are embedded in 2 Timothy 4, verses 2 through 4, and 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17, that the Word of God has the ability to teach us what is right, what is wrong, how to stay right, and how to, well, I think I missed something, didn't I? Teaches us what is right, what is wrong, how to get right, how to stay right. There we go. All those things are charges to the teacher of God's word, to the preacher of God's word. Preaching is not to please me. It's not to tickle me or to please others. It's to glorify God by people hearing what God says. The the sobering reality of my job is that I am, number one, to pay attention to myself. That is, live right before God. Number two, Take heed to the doctrine. Pay attention to the doctrine. And that would include preaching it, 2 Timothy 4, 2. By doing this, I will save myself and those that hear me. That's 1 Timothy 4, verse 16. All that said, I want to encourage you. Yeah, it, it is very discouraging that there's so much division. It can tempt a person to even to think, did God write the word clearly enough? I threw much study, believe, yes, he has, but it's not even for mine to say, did he do it clear enough? I mean, define your terms. What I do know is that God knows everything about everything. That includes every ability, every thought of mankind, every person who's ever lived, whoever is living, and whoever will live. And God alone justifies, Romans chapter 8, and all people outside of Christ all people who are outside of Christ. God wants them to come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved because outside of Christ, they're, they're doomed. They're without hope. They're lost in the world without hope, Ephesians 2. And God has chosen to reveal himself in a written book that's been confirmed in times past by visual signs. And so God who knows everything and who loves the world to the extent that he gave his only begotten son and that he was spit in the face and mocked and slapped, beaten and nailed to wood 
and bled and died for my redemption and for the redemption of the whole world, if they will but access it by faith, then God's word is what it is. Like, all those things that I just said to you, I understand from reading the word of God. I don't have a PhD, folks. I don't have a master's degree. It's not necessary. You don't even have to have a bachelor's degree to understand that. You, you, you don't even have to have a high school diploma to understand that. You, it doesn't take much. Somebody might say, well, what about somebody that doesn't, you know, they don't even know where they are. They're, look, God is the judge who will only do what is right. Those who are not accountable God will take care of them. But those of us who have the mental faculties, we're required to use them, just like in life. I can't say, well, you know, I genuinely think that the most important command is to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself. And, you know, the one church, baptism, scriptural worship, uh, the type of worship we're to offer, those kinds of things, I don't think those things are as important as loving the Lord your God. Let, 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 me, let me say this. Everything that God has revealed to us, anything He has required of us, let me clarify more, if He has commanded us to do something, and it's it's required. And it ties in directly to loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, your effort. Could it be that we are being lazy if we say, well, I see that, I hear that, I've heard that, I believe that, but there's just so many interpretations and there's just, could that be my way or your way of being lazy? To say, well, I don't want to study it more. Could it be our way of trying to rationalize our emotions that surely, surely all the people who, who don't do what the gospel teaches, surely those people won't be lost. And folks, while God is the judge and not me, God has judged righteously already as it pertains to the requirements of, of mankind to be saved and to worship God correctly and walk in the light. Like those are things you have to know the details in order to receive them. There's no room for error. There's no room for error on becoming a Christian and the one body to which you're added, the church. There's no room for error on how to properly worship God because Jesus said that people must worship God a certain way, John 4, 23 and 24. We could talk about that another time. It's necessary for us to understand the details of what it means to walk in the light so that one can continue to have the blood of Jesus flowing on their soul, 1 John 1. We have to understand that. We can't say, well, your interpretation, my interpretation, they interpret it that way. We can't do that because what that's doing is that's undermining the Word of God. Prior to hearing this, you may not have intended that or meant that, but from God's Word, that's what it means. It undermines what God has required. So again, I'm advocating for the Word of God. May we only do and require what the Word of God says to do and what it requires, and not require what it doesn't require. And live by the Word of God, not the commentaries, not the videos on the internet. And I realize you're listening to a podcast, but folks, <laughs> excuse me, I'm doing everything in my power to point you to the written Word in the context of the written Word. I'm not trying to say, listen to me. I'm not setting my education or myself above the Word of God. I'm trying to use myself only as a vessel, only as a tool for God to live by the Word of God and to in turn teach it to others. If you have questions about anything I've said, I want to beg you 
send me a message. You can find me on social media, Aaron J. Dodson. I'm out there. You can find me. If you're in the Northeast Arkansas area, you're ever in Jonesboro, Arkansas, come visit us at the Washington Avenue Church of Christ. We're located, our building is at 2001 West Washington Avenue, zip code 72401. We have services on Sundays at 9 a.m., 10 a.m., and 5 p.m., and on Wednesday night at 7 p.m. And we have a loving group of people, a forgiving group of people, a hardworking group of people here that love the truth, they love the Lord, and they would like to meet you, as would I, if you're ever in our area. Come be a part of what we're trying to do. If you have any questions about this podcast, send them to me. If you have other Bible questions about anything, hey, send me a message. I'll keep your name anonymous. I'd be happy to make an episode on that. And I think it would probably benefit not only you, hopefully, but I think it would benefit others. I'm so thankful for this avenue and for this opportunity that Washington Avenue Church of Christ affords me. God bless the congregation at Washington Avenue. And thank you, if you're still listening, for listening, for staying with me this whole time. I'm convinced because the Bible teaches very clearly that we can know the truth and the truth can set us free from the power, the, 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 the power, the penalty, and the guilt of sin and can give us an inheritance among all that are sanctified, Acts 20, 32. But this requires study, and it requires that we use our mental our faculties, our cognitive powers. Yeah, there's a lot of people that teach a lot of things and that have many so-called interpretations, but God's Word never advocates for many interpretations. It, under, it, it requires that we see there is one body, there is one spirit, there is one hope. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is above all, through all, and in you all, Christians at Ephesus, and in all Christians, members of the body of Christ all over the earth. Thank you for listening. God bless, and I'll catch you next time.